Well, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the sixth Sunday of the Epiphany or the Sunday after Seafood Fest. And because I spent about half the week up in Nashville at this really great church conference, and I got in at 4.30 last night, changed clothes, jumped in the car, drove here for the joy and the fun of Seafood Fest, I've declared this a Sunday of preaching from the floor. So that is how it shall be. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the applause and the encouragement. I'm not telling you I was that excited about this, but it is the way it is. And uh, I had this wonderful idea about how I wanted to preach this sermon today. And it came from the inspiration of last week's sermon. How many of you remember what I preached about last week? Anybody? Okay, good. Proof against the person I preached about who didn't think anybody would remember that sermon. But the thing I loved about that sermon the most is it was about a friend, right? A friend who did, does a really good job of encouraging me to keep my sermons brief, and we'll see how that goes today. But uh, so I thought I would come in today and, and mix that up a little bit, and I would begin the sermon by telling you about a person I know really well. And I would tell you that this person works extremely hard to be holy and to be righteous and to be seen well in the sight of God and of the church. This person comes to the church regularly, even beyond regularly. Every time the doors are open, this person comes to the church. They're at Bible study. They give of their time and their talent and their treasure to the church. They do everything they can to share their faith. But at the same time, I know this person super well. And I know that this person if you think about what we just heard, that wonderful, why did that scripture have to be the one after Seafood Fest? I'm not for sure. But if you listen to that, that scripture, then I can tell you that this person is greatly distressed by this uh, particular bit of scripture because I know this person well enough to know that they themselves have gotten angry. They themselves have made accusations and, and cursed against people. Uh, this person I know for sure has uh, even probably used words like fool, maybe even worse than fool against other people. I know this person uh, spent a good deal of time watching the Super Bowl and when the halftime show came on, this person did not go in the other room. They stayed and watched the uh, halftime show at the Super Bowl. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it involves Shakira and J-Lo. Let's just leave it at that. I also know that this person struggles with, with swearing. Uh, and swearing, of course, in the Bible isn't exactly the same thing as cursing, but I know this person has struggled with that. And I know this person, of course, in the, the hardest thing to read in this morning's scripture, has struggled with a failed relationship before. And my hope of telling that story again as it happened last week is that I would have about six or eight people come up to me like I had last week and say, Father, I know you were talking about me during that sermon. <laughs> that was a good sign that I made the right decision on that sermon last week. But of course, what I wanted to say at the end of today's sermon is of course that person who I know really well is me, right? Because that person is myself and my own struggles. And of course, for people who might have been listening and thinking, oh goodness sakes, he's remembering what I did or he's talking about something he saw me happen and oh man, I wish I hadn't gone to the Super Bowl party with him now because I know what he's talking about. My goal was to help us all see that we are all struggling with these issues that Jesus lays out for us today. Um, that all of us have made bad decisions, that all of us, if we were stacked up against what Jesus is laying out for us today, would be in a whole heap of trouble. 
And this scripture that we have this morning is tied in with that wonderful scripture from Deuteronomy because it's meant to show us what God has tried to do through the centuries to help humanity get on the right track. We begin this morning with that story from Deuteronomy. It's near the end of the book of Deuteronomy, which of course was a book Jesus read and knew and quoted quite often in the Gospels. And it's the story of Moses who's already gone up on the mountaintop twice. He's come back with 10 commandments. He's gotten angry, tore those up, went back up. God sent him back down with the whole Torah, which of course is 613 laws. And Moses says to the people, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. This is God's first step in helping humanity that's fallen people that are struggling, people are making bad decisions. God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to lay it out for them. 613 laws. Follow these, check them off, and you're in good shape. Follow these, you'll get what you need. Follow these and follow me, and you've got it all set. And of course, the whole story of the Old Testament is people screwing up following these commandments. So when Jesus appears, he falls into this story right away because as soon as he begins to speak, what happens? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, these are the guys that are following those scriptures by every, every step of the way, 613 of them. They've got their checkbox off and they can show them to you daily and tell you that they're following the law. So when Jesus appears, the first way they try to trip Jesus up is they come after him about the laws that he's breaking. Of course, Jesus looks at them and says, I've not come to break the laws, nor have I come to erase the laws. I've come to fulfill them. And Jesus's way of fulfilling them is taking 613 that all of these people have struggled to keep up with. I mean, can you keep up with 613 laws? I, I don't, the Ten Commandments, they hung on the wall of my elementary school. That was enough. That was 10, 613. So Jesus says, let me tell you the meaning of the law. Love the, the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 613 broken down to two. Woohoo, yes, thank you, Lord, because I know that Mark Tholine loves the Lord as God and he does really nice to Amina over here, so he loves his neighbor. So we're good. Check. We're done. We're finished. So that's what we hope. But then Jesus keeps going, right? He gets to chapter 5 of Matthew, and we get hit with all of this today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. Okay, got that. No murder on my book. Thank you, Lord. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable for judgment. Uh-oh. <laughs> if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to counsel. And if you say you fool, and you can take that into the 20th century and add any words you'd like that you can't say in the church, you will be liable for the hell of fire. 
Ouch. Jesus goes on, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in, with her in his heart. Thank you very much, Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> Thank you very much, every billboard that we see. Thank you, every advertisement we get. What is our culture based on? It's consumerism is on getting us to lust after things. And it often uses our own bodies to bring us to buy perfume and, and beautiful clothing, all of these things. The world knows that these are the very things from the beginning that humanity has struggled with. And so therefore, we're in big trouble. It was said to you in ancient times that you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven or by the earth, or should I add today, or by God. You should not swear. We're in trouble. And then, of course, this one, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery as well. Well, this strikes too many of us to count, including myself. These are the struggles that we face. And finally, Jesus says this. Thank you, Jesus. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. I'm going back to the 613 laws after this one because Jesus has just taken the bar and put it above our heads so high that it's nearly impossible for any of us. Now, not all of us have struggled with failed relationships and gone through divorce, but I don't know anybody here that hasn't gotten angry, who hasn't insulted someone, who hasn't called someone a fool. I don't watch the news anymore to avoid calling people fools. And I would advise you during this political season to stay away from it. Don't watch it because Jesus says you're in trouble and you're liable for hell if you use the word fool. What are we to make of all of this? Why does Jesus give us two beautiful laws, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, and then take them to such a high level? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning because he needs us to understand that we cannot achieve this without God's help. We need God above everything else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Use that to give you the strength, not yourself, because you will fail. Love your neighbor as yourself, and you better turn to God if you're going to do that, because you need God's help to be able to accomplish that. What Jesus wants us to understand is the most important thing of all is to put God above everything else. Do you want freedom? Freedom from these inclinations to fall into what we have to call sinful activity? Well, you need to turn your heart over to God. What's God going to require of you? Money, expenses, a self-help book or library you need to buy? No, you can get a Bible for free. And two, God's love is never-ending. God's love is freely given. God's love is the greatest gift ever given to us. Because what does it do for us, Pastor? Well, what it does for us is it gives us hope when we fail. It lifts us up when we fall. It helps us when we go blind to be able to find our way back to sight. Turn to God and ask for forgiveness, 
and you will be forgiven. That doesn't mean that every, you can do anything you want to do anytime and you can get over it. It means that God wants you to love him and show your love for him. And by showing that love for God, you will be set free, as St. Paul says. That's the hope. Uh, St. Paul also writes in the letter to the Romans that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Take that one. Our bishop said at his convention he wants that written on his his tombstone. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What did you just hear in Jesus' reading? A whole lot of condemnation, right? But through Jesus Christ, you can come to a place of no condemnation by giving your heart to him. And Paul says at the end of Romans 8, who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Someone cutting you off while you're driving down the street? Someone you disagree with speaking on Fox News or MSNBC? Paul could add that if he'd like to. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I leave you with this, my grandfather's favorite hymn, a hymn that you either love or you've heard so many times you dislike. But for me, I can't live without it. I was driving this morning listening to Aretha Franklin sing it. If you want to have your soul moved, Listen to Aretha sing this hymn. And my grandfather taught this hymn to me and I love it. And it's the most important hymn of all. It will tell you why you need faith. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Grace is something God gives you because he loves you, not because you're required to do something. In fact, God knows you can't do it. You don't have the power to do it. God gives it to you because you turn to him and he loves you. And are you a wretched sinner? I doubt you're a wretched sinner, but you're a sinner. And if you don't like that word, that hurts you too much, that what, what is it that we now have to worry about words that will damage us, whatever it is, you can't say anything anymore. Change the word sinner to someone who makes mistakes, someone who's made big mistakes, someone who makes a mistake every day. Whatever you need to do, amazing grace will save someone who makes a mistake like you. And when you're lost, you'll be able to find your way. And when you fall into the darkness, and you all will, some of you already have, you've been able to see, not because you had the power to see, but because God loved you and reached out to you, maybe through the hands of those in this building, maybe in the hands of your family. God reached out to you and saved you. That's the hope and the promise. The words of Jesus are tough, but we can get through them if we trust in the Lord who saves us.